When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. All right, happy 4th of July pre-weekend, Cowboys Nation. We thought we'd give you a little bit of Cowboys talk to head into the holiday with. So you can take a break from your barbecuing and your Will Smith movie watching to uh, get some Dallas Cowboys in your ears from the ones who do it best at The Athletic. Welcome back in the About Them Cowboys podcast on The Athletic Podcast Network. Kent Garrison here producing, as always, and welcoming in three of the best of the best when it comes to talking all things Dallas Cowboys. First, from The Athletic slash The Ticket, Saad Yusuf. From The Eagle, our host with the most, Kevin K.T. Turner, and always the godfather, Father John Mashoda. Guys, this is one of my favorite things Father John does every year, the Cowboys fan survey. We'll get the fans involved here, see what they have to say about the state of this franchise. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure it's going to be glowing uh, coming off last season and Mike McCarthy and all that. So, KT, let's kick it off. Yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks to John for doing all the market research here because uh, we don't get this good hunk of gold content if we don't have John you know, sweating over this long 25-question survey for Cowboys fans. And uh, I like a total of 1,373 responses. So nearly 1,500 responses. Pretty good. Got a lot, um, you know, on, on a bunch of these questions, you got a pretty good answers. Good sample size. Get a good feeling. See how everyone's feeling. Because, you know, I tell you what, my, my social media feedback, and you guys can kind of let me know if you agree or disagree, I think it's kind of torn. I've got a fair share of people who are like, oh, yeah, I think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to be pretty good. And i got a fair share of people who are just like, with this defense, just kind of rolling their eyes. Like, why would you sell us a, a bill of goods once again, KT? That's kind of what I'm dealing with. How is it for you, John? I mean, I, I notice that people are like that. Now, you know, anything positive you write this time of year, it's, oh, we've been hearing this for the last 20-some years, which I get. You know, I understand that. Um, I'm just trying to put out content that about the team, and there's obviously not a ton going on right now. So, yeah, that's generally how it's going to be this time of year, especially going into training camp. And, you know, you finally got Dak's contract taken care of. So you seem to think that as long as they're healthy and they – it doesn't look like that they're going to get moved into a different division. So they get to play in the same awful division. So uh, because of those things, they're going to be in the mix. And I know that people that are negative don't want to hear that, but that's the way the NFL is. There's a lot of parody. So if they stay healthy, things go the right way. You know, they can win the division and they get in the playoffs. They get out at the right time. I mean, they're not going to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl, but this is a team that certainly should make the playoffs and, should at least win one playoff game and at least get back to the divisional round. If they don't, the season was a disappointment. Yeah, and also that's not really like saying anything with rose-colored glasses or anything like that. That's and and, the, and like you can groan about that that it's been that way for the past twenty-five years. But the bottom line is, usually if you have a franchise quarterback, you always have a chance. 
and they've had a franchise quarterback since like 2007. Um, and so, you know, they always have a chance. It's just, it's not that the Cowboy, it's not that the hype has ever really been completely uh, misdirected in the offseason. It's just this is a super underachieving team when the games actually get played. So I don't think anything John or anybody else is saying right now is is uh, inaccurate. Well, let's start uh, at the top. How many games did the Cowboys win in 2021? I know we've kind of you know had a little fun with our season predictions. Um, trying to pull those out right here. Um, because we were just kind of throwing out some numbers. I think, I think we're we were mostly at that, 11. That 10 through 11 category, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's most what, of us were at 11. 71% of the votes. So 71% of the fans who responded on this survey thought the Cowboys would win 10 or 11 games. And I feel like that's pretty reasonable. Was, anything else that stood out to you on that one, John? Not at all. I, I, I had them at 10 wins. I can see them getting to 11. That makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, and... There were it was a sliver of people that said less than six. I mean, so <laughs> I don't. I, I'd say that yeah, it's pretty. You know, on brand. If if they were in a better division, I could see it being less. But because of the division they're in, they should be able to win double digit games in a season when they've been added an additional game and there's now seventeen games. You know, also like um, I think the Vegas over under is nine and a half. So you know, kind of. Kind of all falls in line, or, or a lot of the Vegas over-unders have been around 95. Kind of falls in line with where that is. You know, also, you had what needs to happen for the season to be considered a success. And I feel like every year, this is usually the same. Um, for me, you know, with this team, and, and I mean, like the NFC is wide open. So, you know, playoff success can mean a lot of different things based on if you had the buy or not, right? <laughs> um, so... 45%, the most people said at least get to the divisional round. It's pretty pretty rational people right there. 40% say at least to get to the NFC championship game. Yeah, I look at it. Last year, you picked 10th in the draft. I know the quarterback got hurt, but you weren't a very good team. Uh, and you've kind of just been meddling for so long. To me, any type of playoff win, I consider that a successful season. Uh, do you guys agree or disagree? Well, no. I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm just... I think it needs to go back to the don't fall too far away from the whole reason Mike McCarthy was brought in here. You know, it wasn't just to get to the playoffs. The, the last guy could do that every two years that you brought him in here because he's had playoff success. He can get you past the divisional round. You know, he's got a Super Bowl ring. So just because last year was a dumpster fire doesn't mean that I sit here and go, all right, baby steps. Try to get to 10 wins. See what happens. from. The no, that's not how this works. Got done going through three years of that following the Lions with Matt Patricia. He walked in there acting like, oh, this is going to be, you know. No, the, the team just went to the playoffs. They're trying to, you're supposed to be here to take it to the next thing. It's not a rebuild. Nobody's rebuilding here. So get to the divisional round, at least. That, again, that's what the last guy was doing, and he got fired. What they did last year, Jason Garrett could have done. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> He, I mean, he was been, showing you. Maybe he, done better. Yeah, maybe could have done better because it would have been the same coaching staff again. So it's like just getting the division around. That no, that was happening already. You just you just gave your quarterback forty million dollars a year. There's no there's no rebuild going on here. It, it's time to it's time to get in the playoffs and and win. And because you're in this awful division, you should get to the playoffs. That should happen. You know. Agreed. No, like they added Ryan Fitzpatrick over in Washington. They didn't add some type of Pro Bowl quarterback that's going to up up what they have there. 
And with all this being said, is anybody going to be really that stunned if like the Giants sneak up and end up winning the division because no one's really counting on them? I mean, that's the way this division goes. But with all that being said, they, they have to get the playoffs. They have to win at least one game, at least get to that divisional round. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really know if the divisional round is still considered a success. Like, I mean, like you said, it has to be NFC Championship game. You have to at least get further than what you said. The bar was what Jason Garrett said, and you have to get further than that. Other, other Because also with last year, everyone said that last year was a fluke. It was the COVID thing. It was Dak's injury, all that stuff. So that's not where you're starting. You're starting from the Jason Garrett regime. And the Jason Garrett regime could at least get to the divisional round, and that wasn't good enough. Yeah, and then the other I, I thing, one I, other thing too, especially going back to Sad's point about getting to, you know, the NFC Championship game. You know, I know a lot of people can look at that and be like, oh, well, you got to have so much luck to go your way and stuff like that. And maybe in some previous seasons, you know, I might sit there and say, yeah, that's going to have to happen and things like that. But like when you look in the NFC and you look at like the top teams in the NFC, clear, clearly it's not any of the teams in the East, so you can just skip that. In the North. Green Bay, last I checked, they've been having a little bit of problems with their quarterback situation there that it doesn't seem like it's close to being ironed out. So we can't just assume that, oh, yeah, this is this juggernaut in Green Bay. I do think that they'll be back in the NFC Championship game. But there are things that go wrong. If Aaron Rodgers wants to sit out and stuff like that, that's not a foregone conclusion. Uh, you know, obviously, Tampa Bay is going to be a heavy favorite because they just won the Super Bowl. But like there were points in that season last year where things weren't going well. I don't know that you just assume, oh, yeah, well. They got Brady in that defense. Well, they're just going to go back to the NFC Championship game again. That's not that's not absolutely a guarantee. I I I would say right now, like I said, I think it will be Packers and Bucks, but it's not it's not as guaranteed as you would have think, thought in some other years. Drew Brees is gone in New Orleans. So you don't know what Jameis Winston's going to do there. So the Saints aren't that lock that every year you're sitting on. Seattle, same exact thing. Like there's clearly dysfunction in that organization. You got Russell Wilson going up to Pete Carroll during press conferences, you know, to let everybody know we're cool here. You do that when everybody is not cool there. And then that leaves you with the Rams, who I think could be could be awesome this year, or that thing could backfire in their face too sure. and ends up not being what it is. So like you you don't have a Chiefs in, in, in this side, you know, where you're like, well, good luck dealing with them or whatever. Like the NFC is kind of wide open as much as it has been in, in recent years. I, I do believe the, the playoff performance matters too. Like, do you run into a buzzsaw? Uh, Tampa Bay's won 10 games in a row or that type of thing. I do think that matters. Sure. But, but I think we're right. I mean, I, I I think like there's a difference in expectations and then and calling something a success. And I think calling something a success needs to be higher than what the expectations are around here. Um, how long before the Cowboys get back to the Super Bowl? This was the most depressing one on the, on the list, John. <laughs> um, the most amount of responses here, 37%, did say within the next three years. Those are some very, very optimistic Cowboys fans. That has been Cowboys fans probably since since Tony Romo took over. If you were to ask an average Cowboys fan, hey, when are we going to be in the Super Bowl? Oh, probably within three years. That's always been how we think of this thing. You know, it's always I, been like, we just need a few players and a few tweaks and probably three years from now, we'll be in the Super Bowl. That's 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 always how it is, <laughs> you know? My answer when I actually took the survey, John, just so you know, and my answer was the one that got the least amount of responses, purple. It will never happen again in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, Cowboys fans. Doctors don't think I'm going to live long. I'm not real healthy. Um, I don't even know what to think about this because the odds are against you of winning. Any sports team, this is where sports gets stupid sometimes, if you're a sports fan. 
you follow a team, and, and I love sports so much, you follow a team, and there's a 1-30, in 30, in this case, 1-32 in 32 chance that your team wins. Those are not good odds. It's not really 1-32, in 32, though. There's about 10 teams that you just know. If, if, you, if, okay. if I sit here right I'll now, I that. will give you 10 teams that I'll bet whatever you want on, mm-hmm. and I get those 10 teams that will not be in the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, we got to do this. I feel very confident that I can this. give you 10 teams that will not win the Super Bowl this if year. If any of those or, 10 teams make the Super Bowl, John is up a creek. Yeah, I would lo- I'll, I'll, I'll easily do that. Yeah, so it's about, Washington haircut. it's about 20. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. It's about 20, 20 teams, I would say, is more realistic. But that's yeah. still a lot. That's still a lot. Yeah. Why would you even watch the Cowboys if you don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl in your lifetime? <laughs> I mean, what? I don't, I don't know if I would be a fan of a team if, if I didn't think they were ever going to win a championship, ever. Well, you also got to remember. What do you root for? You also got to remember there's a lot of sports fans that like to, you like to get the jinx out there. You like to think that, like, if I put yeah. this out into the, yeah, you, into you, the you do. You set the expectations low. You set right. the bar low. It's so like, that, yeah, oh, happens, we get hot. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, think yeah. they well, were going to get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So but you set also, the bar it's low. Like, I understand what you're saying about the odds, but like, there's also this tendency of things to even out. And it's kind of disappointing that in the last 20 years, like, there are 16 teams. In the NFC, in the last 20 years, three, a total of three have not made it to the NFC title game. We're not even talking about Super Bowl. It's Washington, Detroit, and Dallas. That's it. Like, I mean, I understand, like, you know, like it's hard on a year-to-year basis. But, man, things have gone right for 13 of the 16 teams in this conference at some point in the last two decades. And, you know, that's – I mean, you talk about lifetime. That's most of my lifetime. And I still don't like, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, KT, but it has to happen at some point. That's what you would think, right? It has to happen at some point. I just, you know, what if your problems, or at least my problems, man, no, we don't need, there's too many questions. We don't need to stay on this. Let's say too, if you're, if a lot of the problems with what's happened with this team comes from the front office over the last three decades, right? I guess two and a half decades. And it's in the family. I don't really see how that changes on a family business. Like, well, yeah, I need one hell of a uh, breakthrough. I know that's. Hey, I know that's a. I know it's a. Jerry's a little bit of an outlier. I don't. I, I. I do not think the Dallas Cowboys will be run the exact same way after Jerry as they're run right now. Just off the basis that it would be impossible that there's not another person that's like Jerry Jones. You know, like Steven just doesn't want to be out there. And like Steven's not going to be the guy that like I see there over time of Steven running the team where I see it'll start wearing down a little bit on the whole like every single time there's a notable player available. Are the Cowboys interested? Because you'll get to a certain now it might be 10 years. It might not happen right away, but we're going to get to a certain point where it's like. You know, if Jerry doesn't keep like the Earl Thomas stuff alive, the Earl Thomas stuff dies immediately. But, you know, he was like, no, I don't want to sit there and say it. Like, that's not the way Steven's going to go about it. He's just not going to do that. So there's going to be things that'll be run different with Steven as compared to Jerry, even though it stays in the same family. And I also think Charlotte's going to be heavily involved and and their kids will be involved. And they'll just be there's always going to be some changes that Jerry is just too, too much of a polarizing figure to assume that, like, when when they go to the when he passes on, that it's going to be just the exact same way. I just you're 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 losing a really a, a big piece there. 
Steven will uh, not hold court after every home after no. every single game. Big wins, maybe, but yeah. Yeah. Losses, <laughs> it'll be hard to find them after losses. Like big losses that they shouldn't have lost and things like that. Let alone using that time after a big loss to like call out the coaching staff. Like, I don't know, like that time in uh New England a couple years ago with Jerry. <laughs> what a time. Which is which um, was which is a great time to be alive. I mean, that is fun, fun times. We're gonna talk back about those times 20, 30 years from now and be like, because people aren't gonna be doing stuff like that, and you're gonna be like, yeah. Oh, Jerry would do something like that, you know. <laughs> How did you feel about the Cowboys hiring Dan Quinn as their new DC? Um, forty-five percent, no, forty-six percent. Uh, the most uh, responses here were there are others I wanted, but I think he'll do a good job. A close second there was love it. There was a better. There wasn't a better candidate. I mean, look, how could you even be mad about anything really after you, uh, after last year's defense? I mean, you kind of feel like any hiring, you're like, it's got to be better, right? Like, <laughs> that's the that's the weird expectations that Dan Quinn has. Be better than last year. And the people that weren't happy or in that poll that aren't happy with the Quinn hire, um, that's fine. But I really do think if you put down every realistic candidate for defensive coordinator before they made the Dan Quinn hire, Dan Quinn would end up with the most, with the highest percentage of people saying, well, if you could have any one of these guys, who would you want to, to run their defense if they get rid of, uh, if they make a change and get rid of Mike Nolan? I, I think Dan Quinn would have had the most votes. Now, he's obviously not going to have like 75%. It might only be 20% of the vote, but there's not like there's this just other obvious guy out there. They're like, I can't believe you didn't get this guy. You know, like who, who is that yeah. guy, KT? Yeah, and if someone, um, if it, say the Cowboys hired a no-name guy, like out of nowhere, what would the response have been? Right, it'd be, uh, it'd be very similar. DC, it would be very like, what? You yeah. know, so. you If I would have um, made that a write-in, that would, there would have been multiple write-in votes for Wade Phillips. Yeah, yeah, there would have been. Um, how'd you feel about Dak's uh, new contract? 66%, very happy. They needed to do whatever it took to keep him. Uh, second place at 30%. I'm glad he signed, but they paid too much. And then you have some psychopaths down there who says it was a mistake. They should have moved on. Uh, that was just like 4% of people who are just nuts, uh, because they love the nooch. I don't know. I don't like, I don't know. 4% the, the, the of people nuts in every 1500 people you survey. That's just, that's just statistics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the margin of error. Right. right. Um, now, uh, moving on, what's your confidence level in Mike McCarthy? Whoa, boy! This is one of my favorite. This is one of my favorite ones, John, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, we'll start at the bottom and last place with the fewest. Very confident he'll eventually get this franchise back to the Super Bowl. The third most responses was not confident. They need to start looking for their next head coach. So the polar opposites. It, pretty close here. Second place got thirty six percent. First place got 49%. First place was somewhat confident. I guess they can't. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, first place at 49% was confident. I expect the team to be much better in a second season. And, you know, the 36% in second place said somewhat confident. I guess they can't be any worse. You know, I'm, where I'm at, and I know I'm not the only one, this is not a unique opinion here, but I'm in the boat of, Sure, I think McCarthy will probably do a fine job at the end of the season next year. I think the record will look good. I'm just always going to want more out of this hire. There's, I, I don't, I don't know what he can do outside of winning a Super Bowl that would make me think they couldn't have done something else. Um, oh, I think if they just get to the Super Bowl, if they got to the Super Bowl and like 
I don't know. I guess if they lose it like the way the Falcons did to the Patriots, I don't yeah. think people would be happy with that. But if they got to the Super Bowl and they lost to a Chiefs team that was just better than them, I think people would be like, wow, especially because it's like, you know, like Sat points out. I mean, we're talking 20 over 25 years since they were even in the Super Bowl. If he gets them to a Super Bowl, I think I think he'll win them most of the fan base over. They'll always be, you know, that couple of percent of like the, the KTs. But for most, for the most point, or for the most part, I think it'll be my, my big thing. Yeah. My big thing that I battle with on this is, so there's two sides of it. Cause I, if I'm filling this out, I'm saying somewhat confident. And, and the reason why I'm torn on this is because do I look at the Mike McCarthy who took over green Bay and went eight and eight his first year and then goes 13 and three his second year and gets to the conference championship game or do I look at the Mike McCarthy of the last his last three years coaching, which is last year with the Cowboys and his last two years with Green Bay? So his what's the most recent? And so you can make the argument either way and have a good case. Like, no, no, no. He was able, he started out, it was Rocky his first year in Green Bay. Look at second year NFC championship game. You have some confidence. Yeah. I understand. But then there's also the part where you're like, well, look at how everything finished in Green Bay. And then look at how everything's gone in Green Bay since he's left. And then look at his first year with the Cowboys and he hired Mike Nolan as DC. So then there's that side where you're like, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. This is, this could be really bad. You know, one thing, one thing I'll say about McCarthy that, that he probably, uh, and look, it, it, it's such a hard thing. We start talking about coaches. What I wanted in a head coach has nothing to do with who I wanted to be the head coaches. But what I, what I would say is you, we talked too much about coaching miscues. With his staff, him and his staff last sure. year, coming off of a decade or, or whatever the last few years were of, gosh, can we do something other than Garrett? We talked in that next year too much about that. And the COVID excuses, a little bit of, in my opinion, a lack of accountability, in my opinion, because uh, every team dealt with the COVID thing. I don't need to hear that. Uh, but look, you do deserve the benefit benefit of the doubt. What's it going to be like with the new defensive coordinator? The games, uh, maybe- the games went how COVID went. Literally, the way they managed COVID was just all over the map. You really don't know what to expect. Maybe today's a Zoom meeting. Maybe this isn't. And because of a pandemic, you can be like, yeah, how would you expect to navigate that? But then when you watched them on the field, there was never any consistency. I mean, even when Dak was healthy, like, were they going to keep winning games like how they beat the Falcons? Like, was it going to be wild like that? Was it going to be wild like that Browns game? I mean, I can just focus on the first five games. Never. We don't even have to bring up how the when the wheels completely fell off when he got hurt. But even in the first five games, it was like, you can't really think that every week they're going to play like this and end up with double digit wins and like get into the playoffs and then make noise at the right time. There was just too many ups and downs. It was just. There was no consistency. Like you didn't even really have an identity of like, okay, well, they're going to do this well. What? Come back from three touchdowns down? Get onside kicks? Like <laughs> that's my, that's my issue with all of this. So maybe a better structured offseason. They go back to Oxnard. It gets back to the norm. Maybe things aren't as chaotic during the season. But like that season was just all over the map. Saad, where are you at on McCarthy heading into year two? I think I, I think that you know I understand that the COVID stuff could come off as an excuse, but I do think that while all the teams face that, it, it you know just a new a completely new overhaul coaching staff. Like I do give him a little bit of break on that, but some of the stuff that he was doing, like that, uh, like going for it on whatever that was fourth and 
13 deep in your own like i mean that like that has nothing to do with covid like at that point <laughs> it's just a really bad coaching decision and that happened a few times throughout the season where it was just like you you were left scratching your head and it's like you know a full off season doesn't really change that so i think he has to like mccarthy has to also figure out where he is in terms of like you know is he this great gambler or is he like going to be conservative is he going to be somewhere down the middle there were times where he wasn't doing where he was taking no chances then he was taking some weird weird chances so i think there's a lot of consistency and a lot less reaction that has to happen uh this season i do like that he he does have i don't i don't i don't fully trust his analytics or whenever he speaks of analytics i don't fully trust him but i do like that in his head he is thinking about scoring touchdowns more than kicking field goals where at times in the Garrett area, you feel like, well, you know, Jason's happy to take three here. It may be times when he shouldn't be until the pressure got on Jason to where he went for it off seemingly every fourth and short. I'm just imagining being on LinkedIn right now and, and looking and being like, if I'm just a real aggressive offensive guy, I can be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's all it takes. That's what we're doing now. I'm real wild. Hey, let's go get that high school coach from Arkansas that never punts. That sounds like how fun. We, how did that not happen? Like no. that was the name. That was the big name hire. Was the guy that no one really knows his name, but they know that he never punts. And he's from Arkansas. Like too good to be true. Belich- right? Belichick this- loves that guy. They're boys. Uh, what grade would you give the Cowboys for their off season coaching changes? Of course, we're talking free agency draft. The number one response was a B. Um, you know, for me, it was a, you know, B minus, C plus. Uh, but, you know, the Dan Quinn thing, I think, is the the big move. Can they get someone that's actually going to teach this defense? Um, and not, not shots fired at Mike Nolan unless it is. But, you know, and maybe some shots at the players for not buying in last year early on. But it does feel like Dan Quinn is going to teach this defense way better than maybe it was taught to him last year during a pandemic and, and all those types of things. So, you know, for me, I, I'm kind of with you. The next answer was C. No one thinks they knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, how Kelvin Joseph, what he turns into is going to be a big one going forward. I mean, obviously Micah Parsons, you know, we'll see what they get. Maybe it gets washed out by what happens with Nishan Wright. Um, but like, you know, you take a second round pick right there, a top 50 pick and, if that ends up not working out, it's going to be very similar to Cheeto and, you know, things like that where you go, man, that draft really killed us. So, I mean, that's kind of one of my big players to watch here is like, what are you going to get out of this Kelvin Joseph guy? And I don't know if Kelvin Joseph's a starter off the bat. He's probably not. But, you know, it's it does seem like it's like, yeah, I like Kelvin Joseph's tape, but Kelvin Joseph had some tape that I didn't like at all either. And there's all kinds of questions about him. Competitive guy, just kind of – that that's the one. I think Parsons ends up playing out. I think there's too much talent there. I think he becomes a good player. You start kind of going there in the second round with Kelvin Joseph. You, you draft a guy at 44. I need him to play. And here's here's my question about this question. I'm surprised there's not more A's from the fan base here. There's six percent of people think thought the Cowboys got an A for the offseason. Uh, you know, when they went into the offseason, what was the main goal? Probably you Defense. know signed signed Dak Prescott. I would say. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then fix so, the defense. So, yeah. So for me, um, you get an A for signing Dak. Well, I did. Well, hold on. I did say I did say coaching changes is, is in there too. Yeah. So, so getting rid of Mike Nolan is probably like right there at. 
I wouldn't yeah, put it you above get, Dak, but it's got to be number two, right? You know, and they did. Yeah, they yeah. did both of those. You try, but you, also like, go ahead, Kent. No, yeah, you 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 get rid of uh, Tabasco Mike, right? You um, you address the Jalen Smith questions, right? By kind of drafting Micah Parsons, aka the next Bobby Wagner or whatever, S- signing Keanu Neal. Right, you get a proven winner as your new defensive coordinator in uh, in in Dan Quinn. So I'm just wondering where the disappointment it came. Like the well, the I think a lot of came it came for the fans. It was because I, they didn't knock it out of the park in free agency, or didn't I think trade lot, up in the draft, or I, I think I, a I lot of it. Got I think the offensive line going into next year. I don't know. I think the Cowboys fans are used to them by now not doing much in free agency. I think because this comes closest to on the heels of the draft, I think a lot of that is what it's centered on. And I don't think many people will give the Cowboys an A for their draft. It could end up being an A if Micah Parsons ends up being a stud and Calvin Joseph is, ends up being a, a great compliment. And Calvin Joseph and Trayvon Diggs are the Cowboys starting quarterback cornerbacks for the next six years. Like, And then maybe find a diamond in the rough out of Odigi Zua or Nashawn Wright or something like that. It could be that way. But as it looks like right now, I, I don't see why anybody would give it an A. There's a lot of question marks about Calvin Joseph. There's a lot of question marks about Micah Parsons and Vince. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, so. if the defense bounces back and a lot of these players contribute, I think if we look back, people will give the offseason a higher grade, but I just don't think they did enough to like, really- I think the changes were addressed that needed to be addressed in the offseason on the defense. I mean, we're not going to know until they get out of the field. Right. So my number one was Dak. If they think I was like going in the offseason, if they could get Dak for a good deal, you know, and make Dak happy, make him the franchise quarterback for the, you know, for the next, I don't know, five years, essentially not have to worry about that position. That's but a great offseason for you. If they went out and signed Malik Hooker tomorrow, I think a lot of these people's grades would go up like one. I was so and, confident and, that Dak thing was going to get so messy. I was confident we were going to be here at 4th of July being like, is he going to come to camp? I don't know what's going to happen here. It was going to just be awful. And the fact that it's behind us feels great. No, they could go out and sign Malik Hooker right now, and these grades, everybody's grade would go up one of whatever they they had recently, and he would possibly contribute nothing to the season. You know, like he would be injured or he wouldn't be a big factor, but he's a name, so people know it. You know, people get excited when you go out and you bring in Everson Griffin, and then he plays, and you're just like, well, I guess that, or Don Terry Poe, or some of these name guys. So yeah. they don't really do that, you know, and, and they haven't really had any success with it either, or not a lot of success, really, so... Um, there's ways that I could see more people voting in A, but as of right now, it like, just surprised me. It was only six percent that that were that that said, "Yeah, we had a had a good off season." You know, yeah. it was, or B, I guess a B would be a, a, a still good, but um, not an A. Yeah, yeah, I think part of it. I, I I was just gonna say what John said. I think the recency bias, like if you have the same exact off season, but the draft is the first thing that happens, and then Dan and then Dak's contract is next. And then Dan Quinn gets hired after that, and and that's the order of events. I think you you'd get more A's, but like like John said, it's not necessarily the the sum of the off season was bad. It's just the Dan Quinn thing was the first thing that happened, and then Dak, and and then like John said, it's just you know I don't even think the draft is necessarily a disappointment. I, that's not what I would say. I would say it's skepticism. Like like you and and there's a right to be skeptic about that skeptical about that draft. So. I think it's just the order of events more than the actual events themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, which player's departure will be the toughest to replace? The number one answer was Cheeto. Uh, 
just under 1,500 responses. Again, Cheeto. The number two answer there uh, was Andy Dalton. The number three answer, Sean Lee. And then, uh, you know, trailing a, a little bit further behind Alden Smith and Tyrone Crawford. Uh, I, I will, I'll say I disagree with Andy Dalton just because you're never planning on your backup quarterback to play a lot. And it obviously could happen, but, you know, I don't know if I like that. But, you know, Cheeto, I'm a little surprised that he got number one because I think the fans' perception of him. But, like, I think that that's also a fan base here understanding that cornerback potentially is a problem. Yeah, I would have went with Andy Dalton myself just because I think that's right now when I look at the roster, that's the biggest issue. Now, granted, Dak plays 16 games. No one cares about it. But if you got to play four or five games with Garrett Gilbert, I, I, I think you're going to be in trouble. So I think that if Dak is healthy or sorry, I said 16 games, 17 games. Uh, if Dak is healthy, then no one cares. But if Dak is hurt, you'd much rather have. And I still think the Cowboys, uh, if if you tell me that Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins don't get hurt last year, I think Andy Dalton's good enough to get them to the playoffs. I really do. Uh, I just think that it was, and I mean, yeah, and they're not going to go far. They're probably losing in that first game, you know, just like Washington. They're not going to go. Any, but I think that he was good enough. Like, I don't feel that way about Garrett Gilbert. I'm I'm also inclined to just vote Andy Dalton. And, and I don't remember exactly what I did vote, but I would be inclined to vote Andy Dalton just on the sheer fact that he's the only offensive player um, on this. Like, it should not be that hard to replace any defensive player that's not Demarcus Lawrence from last year's unit. So just the fact that Andy Dalton's the only offensive player, that's I, I just go with him on that fact alone. I found it interesting that Sean Lee was third in there just because like, well, you obviously don't really, see, you haven't seen him recently contribute much on the field, but I can understand from a behind the scenes standpoint, because there are yeah. some issues about, well, who are the leaders on this defense now? So, and then you bring in some questionable guys in the draft and, th- and on the defensive side of the ball. So that's what makes me understand why, why Sean Lee would be on there. Uh, which one of these free agency additions will be the most valuable? The leading vote getter here was Keanu Neal, 39%. In second place, DeMonte Kazee um, at 26%. And then in third place, defensive lineman Brent Urban. Um, so, yeah, and, and then Ty N- Nishke, the offensive tackle, coming in at fourth place right there. I still not, I don't know how much Keanu Neal plays. Um, I know Dan Quinn will find a way to get him on the field every now and then, but once the draft shifted from getting a corner at pick 10 to trading down and getting Micah Parsons, I, I did think that's that's not good for Keanu Neal because, look, Jalen will play over Keanu Neal. Maybe Keanu Neal looks like a better player than Jalen. Jalen will play over Keanu Neal. Or, um, oh, I'm not certain just, of that anymore. Well, and, not, and I'm not saying those two would even be. Oh, you're not okay. I'm no, like I'm that. not, and I'm not. I don't think you make um, all these moves this offseason if you're just like, well, you know, Jalen's got to be out there. If if well, if, think, if everybody's healthy, if all the linebackers are healthy, you're only really playing two most of the time. Agree? Yeah. It's Lane Vanderesh and Micah Parsons. I'm 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 convinced of this. No, I know I'm with you on that, and that's why I think that Keanu Neal though was drafted because the idea was Vanderesh and Jalen Smith, and then like. You know, you're not planning on drafting Micah Parsons at the time. It's always right. a possibility. And Keanu Neal was cheap, and you're familiar with what he could do. Uh, let's say Donovan Wilson doesn't work out or gets hurt, then Keanu Neal might play some strong safety. Oh, for, for like, sure, that's not crazy. For yeah, sure, so like, I definitely would. I would be trying to get him on the field no matter what. I mean, 
going back to the Sean Lee thing, I think Keanu Neal might have to be, might end up being one of those guys that ends up being kind of a leader. And you can only be a leader if you're contributing. You can't be just a rah rah leader when you're sitting on the sidelines, and that yeah. you have to be a guy that contributes. So, no, but I I agree with you. It, he, he is kind of the odd man out because of the addition of Parsons. And heck, who knows what like even Jabril Cox and guys like that. So. But here's my thing, like that that position, there's just so many injuries all the time. I find it just so hard to believe that Leighton Van Der Esch is not going to have an injury or Micah Parsons or Jalen Smith or, you know, Keanu O'Neal. They're going to find a way to get him out there. But I understand he's their most notable signing. I went with KZ just because as long as he's healthy, I think he doesn't leave the field and mm-hmm. he has the opportunity to, you know, maybe get three, four, five interceptions, which, you know, there hasn't been a Cowboy safety to get oh, – four or more interceptions in a season since uh, Sensabaugh, Gerald Sensabaugh in 2010. So, Wow. What about you, Saad? Who would you have had on that one? Man, looking at the list, it's kind of, it it really drives home how much they don't really do in free agency because (laughs) I I don't really, it's like the guy, I mean, I guess I would say Keanu Neal as well, but then they also have so many options in the draft to replace Keanu Neal's impact that he would have had when he, when he did sign um, I think the biggest factor that's in Keanu Neal's favor is the fact that, you know, he has uh, the familiarity with uh, Dan Quinn. So I think that's that's huge. I mean, I guess I would say that, but also I think just, I don't know. I, I think I'd go Brent Urban or Basham because at least defensive line is a rotational thing and, and there's just not a lot there already. And at least the secondary and things, and the linebackers and secondary is where they went heavy in the draft. And so I think defensive line, just on that list alone, I would probably go with Basham or Urban. Yeah, Urban's a good one, man, because there is not a lot of defensive tackles on this depth chart where you're just like, oh, I feel good about this guy. Like, you might, and it might work out, and it also might not, and Brett Urban ends up getting the most snaps of defensive tackle by the end of the season. So, no, Urban's a good one for sure. Um, That's the one who I I went with, Brent Urban, and then – but again, as you said, that's a just a revolving door of. Eh, um, <laughs> hopefully, um, next if, question. Hey, if safety wasn't so bad on this roster, we would constantly be beating up defensive tackle because it it doesn't really while yeah. you're there. <laughs> when, uh, hey, when's the last time? When, hey, when's the last time you thought you could get double digit sacks from a D tackle on this roster? Oh gosh! Like some people could say David Irving. I don't know that David Irving could you could count on him to play enough games. Like if you told me he was going to play a full season, I'd be like, oh, David Irving for sure. But like, I, are you going to get the games to get double digit sacks? I just think d- d- dominating games or, or right. Or, well, yeah, that's uh, what I kind of meant. Yeah, yeah. Or make it flashing like I mean, Tyrone Crawford in his prime when healthy Jason had Hatcher. a couple years where he would take over game, not take over games, but like make a, a lot of flashes in big games. Jason Hatcher at times, yeah. But like Hatcher's the last Jay one. Yeah. And then Ratliff before that. Yeah, Ratliff's a good one, yep. But it's not some like long-term sustained thing either. It's kind of frustrating. Um, not including Micah Parsons, which draft pick will make the biggest impact this season? The number one answer, Kelvin Joseph, their second-round pick. Uh, next was Jabril Cox, who they got in round four. Then Osa Odigizua, and then uh, Nashawn Wright. I just, I don't see a, a world right now where Nashawn Wright, I mean, where... Uh, where Kelvin Joseph starts, uh, leaving you with three guys on the field in Trevon Diggs, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis. I don't know that I would have voted Jabril Cox either because it was kind of a tricky, um, kind of a tricky linebacker depth chart now after the Parsons pick, adding Keanu Neal, depending on how they want to use him. 
I, I, I went with Oso Digizua when I voted. Just, I think because of what we were just talking about. And it ain't like defensive end depth is great either on this team. So a guy who can play end and tackle, that's who I went with. But I I understand why people would take the second round pick, Kelvin Joseph. I just I, I just can't tell. I, I mean, what do you guys, how many, do you guys think, what's it take for Kelvin Joseph to get on the field? How soon? I got it. I don't know. He has to look awesome in training camp. He would have to be very impressive in training camp, matching up. I mean, obviously you're going to get an opportunity to go against some very good wide receivers anytime you're practicing against the Cowboys' first-team offense. So if he looked good there and looked like they were like, hey, you know what, he gives up a play here or there, but he kind of holds his own really against Gallup. He kind of holds his own against Mark Cooper. I think we can put him out there, you know. But I I wouldn't bet on that right now. If I was betting, I'd say that their starting corners week one are Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown, and Jordan Lewis. Yeah, I, I didn't vote for Kelvin Joseph here. I, I voted for Chauncey Golston, even though, it, like, just because, just again, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I thought, th- I, I think that there's going to be a lot of scheme and a lot of a lot of different ways that the defensive line is going to be rotated and used. And I, we'll see what happens. But I don't, like, I think the secondary, you have to show a lot more. Like, Trayvon Diggs flashed very early, and I think that helped him a lot. Um, I I think Kelvin Joseph is eventually going to have the biggest impact, but this season, I, I'm not so sure it's going to be anybody from the secondary, whether it's Joseph or Nashawn Wright or, or anybody like that. They're obviously different players, but Odigazua and Chauncey Golston are very similar to me in terms of their ceiling and, right. and what they can end up being. I just feel like they're just kind of solid guys. And, yeah, maybe that's fine and kind of a safe way to go uh, when you're drafting, but it's not terribly exciting either. Um, if you I get a contract, kinda, I felt kind of dumb just you know based on the thin slice that Chauncey Golson got there in the <laughs> in the survey, but whatever. Uh, you know, Odigizu was a, a more fun name to say. Uh, <laughs> it just kind of jumps out a little more, and everyone remembers his brother as well. Yeah. Um, if you could get a contract extension done with one of these players before the season, who would it be? Gallup, Van Der Esch, Gregory, Connor Williams, or Dalton Schultz? This one was a doozy. In first place at 43% of the responses, Michael Gallup. In second place at 41%, Randy Gregory. Very tight. And look, fans love wide receivers. It's exciting. To me, and I love Michael Gallup, Unless you're going to do something with the Amari Cooper contract, I just don't see why it would make sense to give Michael Gallup a contract um, when you can just kind of try to replace him in the draft. There's so many great wide receivers getting drafted each year, and you got to hit on the right ones, of course. But I think I'm ready to utilize my money elsewhere. And I do think CeeDee Lamb is going to give you such an amount of production that you're going to feel weird paying wide receiver two money to a wide receiver three and Michael Gallup, even though on some teams he would be your wide receiver one and a half. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's where I'm at on that. No, for sure. I, I just don't see a way that Gallup and Cooper are both on the roster next year. I mean, and, and, and yeah. Cooper, I think safe as, as long as he keeps playing like he's played, he would have to drop off significantly, battle some injuries to where they're like, I don't know. I think we might've got his best years. I don't foresee that happening. So I think it's Cooper. I think Gallup's out just because he'll get money from, I mean, just saw like what the Giants gave Kenny Galladay. Like he's going to get money on the open market. It's going to be too hard for him to turn it down. But I don't know. The other the other part in this too is like, it'll be interesting to see if all of them stay healthy because one of them could get hurt and, and you know, it opens the door for somebody else to have some bigger numbers. My basis on all this is that 
CeeDee Lamb's not going anywhere. They will continue to build around him. And so he's definitely not the odd man out. And then the other part is, like, as you mentioned, not only can you find a good number three receiver in the draft, you can find a good one and two receiver in like the second and third rounds. Teams do it all the time. And the other part of this that factors in with me is that because right now, because you have all three, CeeDee Lamb's going to play on the inside, but CeeDee Lamb can certainly play on the outside. So if you go into next offseason trying to replace Gallup or trying to replace Cooper, like your options are wide open. You can go get your number three receiver to be a big guy. Heck, maybe that guy's already on the roster in Simi Fahoku. Or you can go out there and you can go get a slot guy that's smaller, who you certainly wouldn't have to invest a second or third round pick on. You can get a later pick and 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 you can easily work that guy in there. There might be a chance that you can bring back Dalton Schultz on a pretty cheap, deep, cheap deal. And maybe you go a lot more two tight ends and two wide receivers next year. You know, uh, there's a lot of different avenues you can go. But I mean, I don't know that there's a position that I find that it would be easier to fill with the way the college game is today than a number three wide receiver in the draft. Yeah. And also along those lines, I think I'm glad you brought up like Dalton Schultz and a two tight end set and all that stuff. But also Tony Pollard, like I like there's so many names that that get brought up before that but remember tony pollard was supposed to be this game-changing playmaker and all that stuff i it wouldn't surprise me if they started doing something i mean we saw mccarthy do it with uh with guys in green bay it wouldn't surprise me if he's he's someone who you know can can fill into the slot and and make plays from there i also really like that i really like this question because of the fact of like can you imagine if somebody told you after the 2018 draft that this question was going to be posed in 2021 and that Leighton Van Der Esch, your first round pick, and Connor Williams, your second round pick, wouldn't even be the top two. It would be Randy Gregory and Michael Gallup, who you got in the third round. And I think at that point you had gotten Gallup in the third round and like Gregory had been indefinitely suspended right. or something. So there was absolutely no <laughs> way anyone would have, would have done that. Man, how the <laughs> turns have tabled. Wait, uh, I'm not sure if I nailed that you office did. reference there for Sada. I was trying to get yeah, as, as close as I could. <laughs> Um, Ezekiel Elliott rushed for 979 yards last season, 1357 in 2019, 1434 in 2018. How many will he finish with in 2021? Your number one answer was between 1,000 and 1,200. Uh, and over half the responses said that. Second place, more than 1,200. You know, for me, I am less, I, I'm less interested in Zeke's end of the year, you know, box score. And I'm more interested on, hey, man, can you just not fumble and kill us, like, all the time? Because that happened way too much. Like, it just can't happen. He fumbled more last year, really the last two years. There's there's some examples from two years ago. But he fumbled more last year. And he's early in games, and it just stopped this team from getting ahead. And it, it caused them to play a different way. And it, it's just... You can't have that out of a guy who you've invested so much in. Yeah, KT, I, I had I have a different take on this question as well, but I'm not going where you're going because respectfully I disagree because I think asking a highly paid running back not to fumble is way too low of a bar. Like that that should just be yeah. a given. Like that is not for me it's not how many yards he ends up with and 1000 to 1200 should be easy money for him, especially with an extra game. For me, it's not how many yards he ends up with at the end of the year. I just want his yards per carry to be better than what it's been because that's where, like, I, I, he needs to be better per pop than, you know, just giving him a bunch of carries and him stacking up the rushing yards. So for me, it's more where his yards per carry end up. 
So I, I got a chance to talk to him. He's been working out this offseason with, with his own running backs coach, and he's posted a bunch of videos that have been up at like SMU and Island Park High School. So I talked to the running back coach he's been working with. His name's Josh Hicks uh, a couple days ago. And so the story will be posted tomorrow morning. But it was just interesting to get his take on like how hard Zeke has been going after it. You just you really get the sense that Zeke is very motivated. Like he knows what's being said about him. He knows the season he's coming off. Like like Saad mentions, the average per, four yards per carry. I mean, that's just, that, that can't happen. And then, like, so for, on this thing, I voted, I would have voted 1,000 to, to 1,200 because 1,000 yards on 17 games is only like 60 yards a game. I mean, he should be able to do that for sure. Um, yeah. But he has to be, he will be a barometer of how the season goes because even if he isn't, um, you know, 1,600 yards Zeke his rookie year, like, if he's running pretty well, you know that they're winning just because they'll be giving him the ball late and they're and they're playing well. I just don't see a way that Zeke goes for another nine seventy nine and this things go well this season. You know, like unless you tell me that, yeah, it's because he actually got so bad that he lost the job to Pollard and Pollard went for like twelve hundred or something, which is just wild to think of. But I just don't see a way that they have a good season without him playing decent, even though it is a more passing offense, but. He 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 did look quick. I'm not trying to oversell OTAs in minicamp. He did look quick. He looked decisive. I mean, he looked pretty sharp in everything we were able to see. And so, I mean, does that carry over into week eight, nine, ten? I don't know. Yeah. But he, I I think that there is still tread left on the tire. He'll be 26 later on this, uh, you know, in July. We're not even quite in July yet. We will be, I guess, when this airs. But um, 26 years old. I mean, there still should be tread left on that tire. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of bullish on that because I think he could still have impactful plays and have less than a thousand yards and still be a big contributor to this, this offense, you know? Uh, yeah. It's not all stats for me, in other words. I need to see it on the field. Uh, when he's called upon to make big plays, to, to convert uh, a fourth down or, a, you know, a short uh, or third and short uh, on the goal line, stuff like that. We need to see Zeke make those plays. Uh, that's why he makes the money he does, uh, because, um, you know, he needs to be trusted. You know, Derek McFadden had 1,400 yards what, a couple of years ago, and I wouldn't say he lit the world on fire, you know? So, like, stats aren't everything. He needs to be better, period. Yeah. In and big moments. Some of those, and some of those big moments need to be in the second half. Yes. Though. You know, not not in the first half. Second half, icing games and things like that. And that's kind of the way I look at it. And just. Some of the miscues from the first half or early in games last year just set them back. It's so difficult. Now, this one's an interesting one. Who should be Dak Prescott's backup this season? Not a lot of love for Ben DiNucci and Cooper Rush there, but uh, in first place, Garrett Gilbert at 59%, and then in second place at 36%, uh, someone not on the current roster. Uh, Yikes. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with running out Garrett Gilbert. I do think it's pretty half-ass. But they went half-assed with Cooper Rush for all those years. Like, I, I, I think you could probably look around and see what's out there. Not that I'm, uh, not that I have a bunch of backup quarterback names right now that I'm, I'm spitting at you. But like, I just, I just feels like, I mean, look, I'm of two beliefs. I'm of belief one: you invest nothing in it because you know when your guy goes down, it's over. Or you actually, you know, try at that position and. Uh, kind of, I'm kind of in the boat of I'm okay with not trying. Just like I'm just gonna ride with my number one guy. What happens happens. Well, I know that's a little bit. I know it's a little bit of malpractice, but 
I'm what not about trying to spend money on a backup quarterback? Well, how do you feel about maybe with you having one of the greatest quarterbacks, and then you go and want to like poke him with a stick by not only drafting a quarterback in the first round, but you trade up? <laughs> how do you feel about that, KT? Do you think that's a good move? I actually think that's a fun move. <laughs> oh, are, oh, are you having fun? Uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, like in life. Like, and, and watching Cowboys games? No, when you put your cheese hat on. last year, no. No, when you put your cheese hat on. You know, there's just so much stuff that can happen that I'm nervous about with this contract. But that's just, that's for another day. But no, there's, but there's there's no, no one out with there. That, with that tied in, though, like, wh- when would you draft a quarterback if you were the Cowboys? Because it does uh, make some I mean, sense to possibly draft, like, and I'm not talking about Ben DiNucci seventh round. I'm like, do you kick the tires on a guy in the fourth round? Does that, would that bother Dak if you're just doing it because you're like, no, we just wanted to have a younger backup that if we need to go to him, you know, we'd rather spend our money on what it costs to, on a fourth or fifth round pick as opposed to what it costs on a proven veteran. Last year was the first time in my seven or eight years of like hardcore studying 200 players or whatever for the NFL draft that I didn't fall in love with a, we'll say, quote-unquote, third, you know, day three guy. All those years, I always had someone I always kind of liked. Like, I liked Jeff Driscoll a little bit back in the day, you know? Um, like, I kind of liked I Sam Ellinger in day three. Last year's quarterback class was so weak. Yeah. So weak. I just didn't, I didn't like that. So, I mean, you know, the- Jamie the Newman's still out there. Jamie Newman got cut already. Did you try Already? to bring Jamie That's Newman in here? Good. Y'all, y'all might think, good. y'all might think I'm crazy, but I'm I'm telling you, if if after the third preseason game or whatever, uh, whenever there are cuts made, if Cam Newton doesn't make the cut because they think Mac Jones and Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer are going to be in the mix, and if Cam Newton is on the chopping block. That's someone who I could I would like to see back a lot. I know, man. I I've seen some video of him, and maybe know, just the way it's bad. cut up. Boy, I, I it looks like he's bad. falling fast. But I'm <laughs> all know, for but... wild stuff. But I don't know, man. I don't know. He, the, the tread might be completely off those tires. But hey, why maybe, not? maybe. But I would. You know, I, I think I would take it over Gilbert, though. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if the bar is Gilbert, then I don't know. I might. I might do it on Cam Newton because because for the same reason, John. I've seen those videos too. That's why I think he's not going to make that roster. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be it'd be painful to watch because he'd be so scared every time he dropped back. But Alex Smith is someone who I would love to have around. Yeah, just hearing everyone seems to think he's uh, you know the stories from Kansas City about how good a guy he was and things like that has a history with McCarthy. I uh, yeah, so, retire. Kind of, Come on, Alex, put a star on your helmet. Let's do it. That was one last that ride. Was one I, I I kind of wanted that to kind of happen actually. Yeah. But yeah. you know, yeah, you know, Garrett Gilbert is not taking the backup quarterback position seriously. It's rolling with what you got. No offense to Garrett Gilbert, except kind of offense to you, I guess, if you want to get offended. And if Dak like, doesn't get hurt last year, we don't even talk about this right now. Yeah, you're right. Because you were you're just right. so used it, to him playing every game. Nobody, yeah, we weren't on these podcasts is complaining about every year how uh, Cooper Rush was the backup because we we're like, well, yeah, they got a linebacker at quarterback. They're playing, never the gets long, hurt. they're playing the long haul here. They're developing Ben DiNucci. But in five years, he's he's the guy. Sweet. Like I think they know. <laughs> yeah, speaking speaking of those Cam Newton uh, off season videos, um, should, <laughs> should should CD Lamb remain the team's primary punt returner? Uh, pretty close one here. Fifty four percent said yes. Is there a hell yes uh, no. option on here? No, only yes and no. 
I would have put hell yes. No, the third option was going to be yes, or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yes, but he gets hurt. Oh, my death situation. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what everyone's I, worried about. That's the only reason I put it in there is because I've heard, I've seen when I've tweeted out stuff after OTAs and minicamp that, you know, he was returning punts, you know, fans being like, let's not be doing this. What are we really getting on punt returns? Put Cedric Wilson back there. Let's make sure that we keep this guy healthy. To, for me, it's one more year. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it's this year. And then I, I'm ready to back away because yeah. I, I just think he continues to grow in the offense. And, it, you know, what we kind of talked about earlier, he's a more important part of the offense when Cooper or Gallup is gone next year. Uh, and then whoever that receiver is you draft next year can handle it. Can Tony Parr? Sure. Um, he's going to be, he's, he probably he's can, but he's there. He's going to, he's going to be the main kick returner. I just want somebody it, with a little juice back there. Yeah. You know? No, More it, than it's going to be. Just catch it. Cause yeah, it was always Beasley and I'm like, okay, well there's no chance this is going to be returned. It's, right. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> going to be, it's going to be CD lamb or, or Cedric Wilson. Those are the only two that, that it'll yeah. be down to if, if everyone's healthy and then uh, uh, Pollard will handle the kickoffs. Um, not including Dak Prescott, who is the team's most valuable player? The winner on this was Zach Martin. That is who I voted for. Uh, second place was Tyron Smith. Third place, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. I uh, had a few votes scattered in there for Zeke and, you know, Trevon. D- I mean, Mari Cooper got a few votes, CeeDee Lamb. But uh, for me, it's, it's clear it's Zach Martin without, uh, outside of Dak. Uh, I think C.D. Lamb could be that guy. Um, I think Cooper has you know, shown that he could be that guy, but I, I just think it's Zach Martin. It's so so impressive. What he did even last year to go play tackle, and then he got hurt and was just fighting through everything. Uh, that's, who, that's who I voted for. What I could think guys? Zeke could be that guy too. I mean, there was – you know, coming off 2016, you'd probably say Zeke was probably the best football player you had, I mean, other than that offensive line. Um, so we'll see what Zeke, Zeke can be, but I think he can be more in the conversation after this season. I just can't put a running back in that conversation for for yeah. valuable. I, I would probably. I, I mean, I voted. I voted for Zach Martin, but I the, any of those top three is is good with me. I might actually. I could have Zach Martin at two, but I also wouldn't argue if you had Zach Martin at four. To be honest with you, because I can. I'm I'm open for the any discussion on Tyron Smith, just because left tackle. Like, can you imagine going ten games with Ty Naseki? Like, I don't think it's going to be beautiful. Um, and then. And he, well, that's right. And then um, uh, to Marcus Lawrence, just because I think there's a clear drop off between him and whoever the next best defensive player is. And wh- while the defense was obviously horrible last year, if you told me he was going to be out like all season and basically you're starting edge rushers are Basham and Randy Gregory, man, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. And then your backups are Chauncey Golston and uh, I guess it would be Dorrance Armstrong then. So. And then all of a sudden Bradley and I better get in the mix and you got Brent Urban playing more DN. Like, yeah, I just think a lot of pieces fall apart without Demarcus Lawrence, whatever you think about his sack numbers, he just brings a lot to the table on a defense that just doesn't have a lot of playmakers. Hey, did this you was, skip the uh, overrated underrated on purpose? Uh, Cause oh, those yeah, are my two, one. those are my two favorites. Um, no, but I think you skimmed by it. They were at the top because they don't have pie charts because they were right in votes and they took me forever because you uh, would, you would be surprised at how many people, how different they spell Lyle Collins's name, Demarcus Lawrence's Zeke Elliott. Like there's a lot of different. And so I had to tabulate each one up individually, <laughs> but those are my two favorite like uh, ones. I think they're like, they're in the top five up there. Uh, like they, thank I, you. I got it. Yeah. I blew right through it. Thank I didn't know you. if you were saving them for the end. So I just wanted to make sure they got in there. Cause I think those are the two most interesting. 
yeah, who's the most underrated player on the roster? Um, Who would you go with? Um, Underrated is such a subjective term. Probably Demarcus Lawrence. Even though he's got a huge contract and stuff, I feel like he got, he got, he had, you know, fans gave him such a hard time last year. People just didn't realize the kinds of plays that he was making that was actually impacting the game, maybe that they didn't notice. So um, that's a good one. Randy Gregory. Yeah. Yeah, Lyle Collins. Uh, Randy Gregory jumps out. I know we're still looking for more games and all that type of thing. Michael Gallup. I still believe whenever he's on the field, it's just it's usually pretty good. That's <laughs> uh, out of a few weird penalties every now and then and things like that, but like it's usually good when Randy's on the field. But you gotta see you, it. Yeah, I, I would go with Lyle Collins for underrated just because Zach Martin and, and Tyron Smith are such such big names. Um, and they and rightfully so. I, you know, we we talked about how important they are. Um, but I think Lyle Collins flies under the radar a little bit. I mean, wasn't it like two years ago, man? Like he didn't even make the Pro Bowl. Is that right? Like it, it was crazy or something, something like that. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think I think Lyle's really, really good. People forget, obviously, that you know he should have been a first round pick, and and then also the fact that he didn't play all season doesn't help either. Yeah, Lyle Collins is a good one. But I also and I got several people that wrote this in. I mean, I think there was at least four or five. Um, that no one is because there's like nobody ever on the Dallas Cowboys. Like, like if Michael Gallup or Tony Pollard, those are the top two vote getters are on a lot of other teams. People are like, yeah, who cares? But because they're on the Cowboys, like people know who they are, you know? And, uh, my biggest takeaway on doing this and counting all these votes up was that for most overrated and most underrated third and fourth was the exact same two people on both lists. On, it was third was Dak Prescott and fourth was Demarcus Lawrence. So just like that's where the fan base is, is that there is a big chunk that thinks Dak and Tank are overrated. And there's a big chunk that think Dak and Tank are underrated enough to put them in the third and fourth spots. <laughs> that's crazy. That's wild. That's wild. So, yeah. OK, uh, who's so the most, yeah. Who's who do you easy. got? Yeah. Who's the most overrated player? I mean, to me, it's. It's a thing. This this is actually could be tough because think, it could be close between the two guys. Yeah, right, right. Last I year it wasn't. Last more, year was a landslide, but it was a little bit closer this year. I think it's Jalen still, but it might be Zeke. I think it's Zeke just because who who is rate who is highly rating Jalen anyways. Like to be overrated, Jaylen. you have to like. I mean, his contract overrates him. But in terms of like in in terms of expectations and people's and what people assume of him, like I don't really think Jalen is very overrated. Like I think people generally agree that he's not a very good football player. So yeah, no, Jalen won in a landslide last year. He won it again this year, but it was a little bit closer. There were a lot of votes for Zeke. I, was, I mean, he's coming off the worst statistical season of his career. So I understood why. And, and, and again, with both of these, I think when you bring a big sample size, like over a thousand people or more, I think your basis on both sides, whether it's underrated or overrated, I think in, even though you might not think this, maybe it's subconsciously, the contract plays a role in it. Like, can a guy be underrated who's making $40 million a year? You know, and I think that's what knocks tank and back down on some people's list 
And then that's what elevates a Michael Gallup or Tony Pollard. Because as soon as Michael Gallup gets paid, no one's calling him underrated anymore. So, and then you have Zeke and Jalen are tops of the overrated. That's because they obviously got paid, you know? Uh, who should I be guess the, the only way you could be underrated and get a contract would be if you sign that 10 years, $100 million deal that Ty- Tyron <laughs> Smith did because, you know. Yeah, sign a team-friendly contract and they'll go easier on you. Right. Uh, a Terrence Williams uh, Who situation. should be the Cowboys punter this season? Brian Anger or Hunter? Is, is it this one? Nice winder. Nice winder? Yeah. Um, I, I would have liked a third option on there of whoever's kicking the crap out of the ball better in camp because I don't care Yeah. who the punter is. Either Fans do. Guys. That's the only reason. Again, I'm just going off of stuff I Hell saw. Yeah. I was tweeting off of OTAs and minicamp. That's the only reason I put that in there. Well, we got did, did have a pretty good uh, late season and, and not about just, you know, kicking the crap out of the ball, but but pooch kicking and like, you know, yeah. uh, pinning, pinning down in the uh, in the opposing territory. So I don't know. I think I, I think I'd give him a slight edge. Uh, what defensive tackle is most important to the Cowboys 2021 success? Neville Gallimore got the uh, first uh, first place in that forty three percent. Then it was followed by Tristan Hill, and that's the whole thing. Is like you know, Brent Urban was third, and Brent Urban likely a starter when it all comes down to it. I would imagine, but you know, you are banking on Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore, two premium top one hundred picks. You know, kind of banking on those guys to help you. As you saw a lot of good flashes out of Gallimore last year. Um, his quickness is definitely a, a big part of what he is. Tristan Hill does not really play with quickness too much. He's trying to be more of a strength guy. How he comes back from injuries, you know, he was playing pretty good until he tore his ACL. We'll see how he is from there. But I, I mean, yeah, the the defense tackle most important to their success, I think it's Brent Urban because, you know, I think you're kind of counting on him to be a bit of an upgrade from the Antoine Woods role. Yeah, yeah, and I could see Urban filling filling in for kind of what Tyrone Crawford was, where you see him some on, on the edge, you see him on the inside. I mean, he's a very long, tall guy. And Tyrone Crawford was on the on the field quite a bit. And, you know, I guess from what Brand, Brent Urban told us, like, you know, immediately when he was talking to Dan Quinn, like they hit it off, like that there was like no way he was going to talk, like because he had said that he talked to a few other teams. But it was like a done deal that he wanted to play for Dan Quinn. Like they were on the same page, the way he was going to use them, like was all bought in. And so, again, when you have a new defensive coordinator who this isn't the defensive coordinator that drafted Tristan Hill. This isn't the defensive coordinator that drafted Neville Gallimore. Like if he if he feels most comfortable with Brent Urban, I could see Brent Urban out there a decent amount of time. So um, I think he could be the most valuable. But this this question was really just. Uh, I mean, throwing darts at a board. I mean, there's a lot of hope in there. You know, you hope that Neville Gallimore ends up being, uh, builds on what he did last year. You're hoping that Tristan Hill comes back from that knee injury. I mean, we didn't see him do anything during OTAs and minicamp other than on the cord. So you really don't know. I mean, we won't know until we get out to training camp what you have there. So, uh, you know, like I said, if there wasn't the safety position on this team, defensive tackle would be the one that everyone complains about because they're just, the resources haven't been there. Yeah, and I think Gallimore, Gallimore also like you know he flashed last year. He had you know the Pittsburgh game and and things like that. But but other than that, like he didn't really. It wasn't a complete body of work. So like, like John said, throwing throwing darts. Yeah, I mean a lot of some of, some of these Cowboys position groups on defense are kind of a lot like the Rangers. Like I hey, just gotta let some guys play and find out who can play or not. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's, kind of, that's true. <laughs> like a rebuilding team. It's kind of what they're doing on the defense, and that's what they're doing on the defense. Quite frankly, they're rebuilding the defense. It's no. 
no surprise. And leads us to the next question. Who would start the most games at the other outside cornerback spot opposite of Trevon Diggs? Your winner at 48%, Kelvin Joseph, followed by Anthony Brown. And I just think it's Anthony Brown. I think Anthony Brown will get the I – mean, he's got – you're talking about it's kind of a new D.C. and like new secondary coach, things like that. The the trust doesn't matter. How long Anthony Brown's been here doesn't matter. I just, Kelvin Joseph, it's a big camp for him. As you mentioned earlier, John, kind of already hit on that. I, I, I just think it's Brown early on, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> I agree with you. I just think it would be wild if like we're 10 games into the season and we're like, wow, last five starts on the other side from Nation Wright. Like how wild would yeah. that be? Like he ends up, you know, being this guy that was heavily criticized of where his draft spot was. And then because he has the ideal size, he fits the system that Dan Quinn wants to play. And that I don't think that'll happen. I, I go with Anthony Brown. Yeah, Anthony Brown's the boring pick. He's the safe pick, but <laughs> right. uh, but like you know, it's just that that's the easy one. But also, I think there's a trickle effect too. I mean, you sign Jordan Lewis; he's more effective inside, so you don't want to move Anthony Brown inside because then you move Jordan Lewis off the field. Um, so I think you know you keep Jordan in the inside and Anthony Brown outside. And especially I, with Jordan I, on the inside, I think he could be really interesting with what Dan Quinn wants to do because you know, like when you sit there and you see them. Um, and again, these guys weren't doing this live, but off to the side, there was there were quite a few times during OTAs and minicamp where I saw them working on dropping back to Marcus Lawrence and dropping back Randy Gregory as stand-up edge rushers. Well, who are you bringing then? Like you can bring out like another yeah. linebacker on the blitz, but Jordan Lewis's strength is is kind of blitzing off that edge. I mean, he's shown a real knack for it, and I'm sure Dan Quinn is very aware of that. So it could be interesting to see where he mixes it up, maybe even uses him more in that role. And because of that, like you said, Saad, like it makes the most sense to just keep him there on, in, on the inside. Uh, who will lead the team in tackles? 52% Micah Parsons at number one, followed by Van Der Esch and then uh, Jalen Smith. I think that's fair. I think that's safe. And look, you draft Micah Parsons at 12 um, you are counting on him. This is the, the thing I said on draft night still holds true. If you're drafting him here, if that's what you're going to do, then he doesn't come off the field. I mean, Michael Parsons is a three down linebacker. Um, he's not going to be a guy you're trying to hide. He, you still want to see more from him out of coverage and things like that, but I don't think that's how he's going to be used. And I think you'll see kind of Vanderish use, let's play to his strengths here. Let him cover a little bit more, you know, things like that. So I think, uh, Parsons is, I think that's a good good answer there. What about you guys? Yeah, just by default of how much he's going to be on the field, because I think there's going to be times we're going to see this year where you're like, what's Parsons doing? He's out of, he, That's not where he's supposed to be, but then he ends up making the play anyway type stuff because yeah. he does have that freak athletic ability and the size and everything like that. And, and in talking to the Penn State defensive coordinator uh, last month, he was talked a little bit about how that happened at Penn State because they didn't want to put too much on his plate. But even sometimes when he wasn't quite in the right spot, he still ends up making the play and things like that. I, I agree with you. I When they make that pick, I just don't see how it's a, well, we're going to use him a little bit here and a little bit there. No, I, I think they're throwing him to the wolves. So just out of the him being on. Now, if you told me that uh, like Leighton Van Der Esch is going to be healthy and play all 17 games, which is asking a lot off of what we've seen the last two years. I could, I would go with Leighton Vanderesh, but because that's hard to bet on, I think Micah Parsons being a younger guy, uh, I just think he's going to be on the field a lot. Um, who will lead the team in takeaways? 64% Trevon Diggs. Uh, the ball skills are there, man. I, I think that's where I, I'm with you on that. If it's not him, I would say it's the other cornerback. And I think it's, that not, could, it's not him. That's mean, because he's hurt. It's because he's not on the field. It's yeah, gonna be I him. Th- if he's if he's healthy, it will be Teron 
Trevon Diggs. And if not, if, I mean, somebody if, steps up and that's great. Yeah. What if Demonte KZ turns back to that 2018 season where he had seven yeah, picks great. or whatever it awesome. was and forces some fumbles? <laughs> Let's do it. I'll be surprised just because he's coming off an Achilles and that always makes me nervous. I, I will um, say, again, just seeing some stuff off OTAs and minicamp, when you watch, like like KT, when you watch Micah Parsons at Penn State, you just don't, didn't see him a lot dropping into coverage. We got to yeah. see a little bit and he did show the hands that seems to be that he can make some plays on the ball. So if you got him near the line of scrimmage, He's knocking some, he, he's blitzing, maybe knocks a couple, forces some fumbles on, on, on some quarterbacks, maybe forces a couple fumbles on some ball carriers, gets a pick here or there. Maybe he ends up being the guy. I, I could see that world, and I could see a world where Donovan Wilson's the guy too. Sure. Um, I can see a world, but I think Trevon Diggs, good, good Vegas. But who will lead the team in sacks? 51% is Demarcus Lawrence, 50, uh, 43% for Randy Gregory, and then Micah Parsons in there. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Micah Parsons led the team in sacks. Uh, obviously, Demarcus Lawrence is going to get his fair share of attention uh, from the opposing offense. My, my vote will be Randy Gregory. I, yeah, I think same. Randy Gregory's just I, – I just – I don't know if it'll ever break out. I don't know if it'll ever, ever all be put together. But I think you're looking at a guy who, when he plays and when he's healthy, is going to be consistently around seven to ten sacks. It's just who I think he is. Same. I think I think Lawrence is going to get enough attention, and that's going to open things up. And you don't have Alden Smith this year either, so yeah. more chances for Gregory. Yeah, and I think Gregory has uh, Gregory has the he he's shown enough to where you know he doesn't have to play on the early downs, the rundown. So keep him fresh and and get him on passing situations and let him get his sex. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a better fit for this style of defense. The standing up, doing a little bit more of the stuff that he was doing at Nebraska. I know that's a long time ago, but. Um, he might be better even suited for this than even Demarcus Lawrence is. And so maybe this might, might end up being the perfect fit for him because he was coming on, but for some reason, every week it's, I would sit down in my seat in that press box and here's Alden Smith starting again for some reason. But anyway, go on next one. Uh, who will lead the team in receiving yards? It's uh Cooper and then lamb and then Gallup. I mean the whole 1000 yard thing that we talked about last year. I think it rings true again this year. If your quarterback doesn't get hurt, all three of these guys can get a thousand yards, and it'll be who's open. I mean, he's going to find him. So, uh, who should get the most targets? Still, Amari Cooper at fifty-one percent, but at forty-seven percent, C.D. Lamb. Um, don't care. They're all going to get the same amount of targets or around the same amount of targets. Like I think, I think this is the year that Lamb gets up to Cooper's level. I mean, if you go look at Cooper's production, it's incredible. I think Lamb's production takes a little bit away from Cooper there, and that you know, uh, close to ninety catches range or type of thing. But again, assumption someone's healthy. Uh, oh, that's the survey. That's yeah. It. I think real real quick on that on that last point though. Like I think. The thing that is a big, uh, big positive for Cooper, and I'm not saying this isn't the case for Lamb, but like you said, he has some catching up to do. Cooper is a very quarterback friendly receiver. Like he, 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 his route running is obviously the the his his thing, and it's incredible. And I mean, we saw it. Like Amari Cooper came mid season, and Dak was clicking with him right away. So he's a very quarterback friendly receiver, and so I think that's that that's a big reason why like he might have more targets. I mean, we saw it. We see it all over the NFL. Like, you know, when you have, it's not about who's most talented. CD Lamb might be more talented than Cooper, but he has a little ways to go in building that rapport with Dak. 
Um, now, okay, so the survey that that went about. I would say the answers were about what I expected on most of those, John. Uh, but as we creep into the month of July, and we're getting a little bit closer to Oxnard and things like that, we gotta talk real quickly about what what's some of your favorite summer movies. <laughs> yeah, man, it's Fourth of July weekend. I feel like yeah, growing man. up, that was always. You know, where when you were at the movies the most was was over the weekend seeing whatever blockbusters were out. And, you know, obviously times have changed, but maybe we can at least share some some summer movies that we've enjoyed over the years or ones that we watched during the summer. They're oh, yeah. some lighthearted, maybe some some big action. First of all, I just want to say it feels great to officially be back to living my life a quarter mile at a time after seeing F nine in the theater last weekend. Feels great. It really, really does. John, you binged all of the the fast movies, didn't you? No, no. I'm like I said. I, <laughs> I watched that. I watched that first one, and I I feel pretty confident I'll go the rest of my life without ever seeing any of the other ones. Well, if you don't, if you don't want to see, you know, cars dropped out of airplanes or you know bank vaults being driven through the streets of Rio, then that's on you. And that's fine. Um, I choose to, uh, you know. Drink uh, Coronas at the barbecues. That's that's kind of it's kind of that's kind of my beach, if you will. Uh, do it for the family, John. Yes. you know because it's all about family. Don't never turn your back on family, John. The crap's up with you right now. All right, I'm going to give my I'm going to give my picks because I don't even want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, mine mine will definitely be different than all your guys. Uh, top two on my list of if I'm just going over ones that I've probably seen the most and and watched many a times. Uh, Eight Mile. What? what no. I was trying what to about, think Detroit themed movies. Uh, what about know. Bob? And yeah. uh, great. <laughs> don't, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Okay. What the heck? Is that? I did not what see are, what that are you coming. About? I did not I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let the se- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let the second one slide because we don't even want to go down this road. Dude. When I was a kid, Wait, I probably I probably watched Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dad when I was a kid at least thirty times. This explains a lot. Yep, <laughs> this explains quite a That's lot. That's amazing. Oh yeah, I love, I love, uh, I love one more uh, Little Miss Sunshine too. I'm a big fan of that one. Good one. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. That's a great movie. If if uh, the listener you, hasn't seen What About Bob, that 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 is a for sure must watch for any uh, any comedy fan. What about you, Sod? I I kind of just grew up watching you know whatever like Cheaper by the Dozen. I remember. Uh, I don't really have summer. The only summer movie tradition that I have, and it's really nerdy. I know it is. Um, on starting July thirty first, every July thirty first through August seventh, I watch one Harry Potter movie per day. And I start on July 31st because that's Harry's birthday in the series. And also, there's just nothing going on. Like, it's just baseball. So, like, you know, there's no sports. So, um, so I just, yeah, I just watch the Harry Potter movies. But other than that, you know, I watch whatever. I watch the Bad Boys series probably once a summer, once every couple of years or something. Um, one, two, and three now. Then Now that three's out. And then Stuff like Cheaper by the Dozen, Remember the Titans, Sandlot, stuff like that. Okay. Well, since Kent's our big movie buff, I'm going to go in front of him, right? Uh, I actually have a top five list. Is that, is that, I'll be quick. Go, yeah, go quick. Uh, number five, Ten Cup. Um, I love the, the stupid golf movie, Ten Cup. 
with Kevin Costner and loses his crap on 18. I remember watching that in the summer growing up. Uh, number four for me is 500 Days of Summer. Uh, I think that's just an outstanding summer movie, and it's got summer in the title. My wife, my wife put that one on this past weekend, KT. Yes, that's a great one. Remember Zoe number Deschanel? Th- ah, yeah, she was great. Uh, she broke the heart of Ben Gibber, Death Cab yeah. for Cutie. Number three, The Sandlot. That's a good one. Right? That, for that, sure. that yeah. might be the best 4th of July movie of all time. For That's sure. a good one. Yeah. Number, number two, Super great. Bad. Greatness. Oh, I didn't so, even, I didn't think of that as a summer movie, but you're right. That is a great one. You know, they're about to go off to college. I mean, that's a, that's good. And number one, it's a movie. It doesn't really take place in the summer. It really takes place in the spring, but it, through the process of the whole movie, you know, they, the main character goes through a lot and it culminates in graduation. My number one summer movie of all time is Billy Madison. Okay. That's a good one. You try, you try going through each grade for two weeks at a time and then, and then, you know, try to graduate, you know, it's just incredible. No, about you Kent. I know you got some, that's great. Those are all, those are all quality, quality, nostalgic classics. Yeah. Obviously the fast series, very, very summer (laughs) friendly had to, had to throw that out there. Um, I'm gonna go with Jaws. Yeah, summer, that's a good summer one. classic. Yeah, that's a good one. If you, yeah, gotta watch Jaws during the summer. Um, <laughs> There's one well, big time one that nobody's mentioned yet. I'm that's going really for surprising it. I'm me. going for it. Come on, all right. I got a list here. Um, have to mention a comedy classic, MacGruber, <laughs> oh the best God. action comedy of all time. What are we doing here? That will change your life for the better. And if you haven't gotten on MacGruber, get on it fast because MacGruber's show is being filmed right now in Albuquerque. It comes I, out on Peacock and it's going to be huge. So get on get on board. MacGruber is back. Um, ben Rogers yeah. of the Ben and Skin Show is a big proponent of MacGruber. And he's been telling me to watch this. You have for not seen MacGruber, KT? I, I have it and I've been You're watching it tonight. Because You're watching I it tonight. That- I thought the MacGruber sketch on SNL was so bad. You know? Yeah, I promise you, uh, the, MacGruber, the MacGruber movie is. Worst. hundred times better no. than the sketch. I believe it's, one of the, it's, one of, it's the best. Day, it's my favorite SNL uh, movie besides Wayne's World. So okay. there you go. So uh, yeah, check out MacGruber. Fun, dumb, uh, hilarious action movie. If you like, uh, you know, Die Hard and things like that. And I'll go, John. I think this is where you were heading. Summer's not complete without Will Smith. No, so I'm, no, I'm that's gonna go. Not it. Okay, well, if you're not, then I'm going to go for it. It's either uh, you know, Men in Black, obviously, greatness. Okay. Um, or obviously, guys, come on. Independence Day. What are we? Oh doing? no, I wasn't gonna say. I was gonna say Dazed and Confused. Dazed oh, and Confused. Oh, love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Hey, I just looked up the list of like right. what is like. I don't even remember what it was, but it was like top summer movies or whatever like that. And this movie was on there, and <laughs> and it's not. It's not something I think of as a summer movie, but I like this movie a lot. The Notebook. <laughs> Oh God, no! You know, maybe I don't know why. Why would that be? Maybe a lot of dates happening it, in the in the I summer. I have no idea, but it's not. I'm telling chilling. you, man. I don't know. I always, I always tell people this. It's crazy. That's not the type of movie I would ever watch. And I was doing that, like when I was working in Detroit, like my the, my boss that I had there um, would just send me into like either like the Tigers locker room or the Pistons or Lions, or whatever, and just kind of do like fun Q and A's with players. Just, you know, because I was just kind of like an intern at the time or whatever. And I could not believe when the notebook 
like how many times pro athletes talked about how that was one of their favorite movies. And I was like, isn't that that like love story one or whatever? Like, oh yeah, man, it's good. It's good. Like oh, so yeah, many different guys. Kobe bought his wife the actual notebook. Oh yeah. You know what? I did hear that. Yeah. So anyway, I was like, all right, one day I got to finally watch this. I'm like, I'm going to watch this for 10 minutes and this is going to suck and I'll never watch it again. And now anytime it's on TV, I watch it. <laughs> oh my gosh, John. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to bash wow. McGruber and fast and sit and watch the notebook every time it comes on TV. Almost right, every time. End the show, I, Katie. End it. I, I, I don't, I don't watch the end though. Cause it's too depressing, but What's going on? most of it. The yeah. notebook, here's where I fall on that. It's like it's like Nicholas Sparks, you know, uh, the writer, the director, or whoever. It's like, what's the worst possible thing that could happen to two people? Let's make a movie about that. There you go. It's still a good story, though, man. Yeah, uh, it's. I love when he fixes up the it's house. It's horrible. It's actually. I love, I love, I love him fixing up terrible. the house. This shocked me more than anything on the Cowboys. Play. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you have to watch MacGruber or get get some get some fun summer in your life. John, Absolutely. what are you doing? I'll, I'll watch. I'd rather watch Days and Confused over again just, than watch right. McGruber. Maybe the notebook's probably on TNT though, so we know what you're going to be doing. Oh yeah, no, it's either that or Shawshank or what else has been on lately. Uh, oh man, there's one other movie. Oh, Tombstone. Castaway. My mom stopped Tombstone. down on Castaway and texted me the other day. I was like, "You've seen that hey, 95 Castaway's times." Awesome. I know, but she, every time it comes on TV, you got to stop down on it. It's a, uh, it's a good one. Yeah, it, that, that's a good summer movie too as well. But there you go. Hey, check out my movie pod, uh, by the way, Mad About Movies on the side. And check out the episode we did with MacGruber's own Will Forte. Oh, yeah. Who came on the show to talk about the 10th anniversary of MacGruber. So, yeah, subscribe to that. Mad About Movies, Apple and uh, Spotify. Mad About Movies inspired by Mad About You co-star Helen Hunt, who was also in Castaway. Yes. For Father of John Bichotta, for Saad... Rafsad Yusuf and uh, uh, you know for Kent Garrison our Mad About Movies producer I'm Kevin we'll uh, be back when we're back because camp starts in about three weeks so we'll probably have a little camp primer for you Um, if not uh, no we will we will we absolutely will but uh, yeah keep checking out everyone on The Athletic and everyone be safe over the 4th of July weekend we'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys how about y'all fix this shit bitch